there has always been a stereotype that black people don't swim. But we are here to tell you that we do and we are good at it. I am Coach Adrian. I'm Dr. Shira. We are the hosts of the Swim Culture Podcast. We want everyone to know that aquatics has always been a part of the black culture and experience since the beginning of time. From scuba diving to fishing to the Olympics and surfing, we have done it all and are still doing it. Make sure you tune in and dive into the culture. The Swim Culture. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We are so happy to be with you all again. Um, we are going to have an amazing episode. We have an amazing guest um, coming up, but I'm Dr. Ashira and Adrian. So let's um, let's get started. So what's been going on with you, Adrian, this week? This week, going getting ready for back to school. Getting okay. Stuff together. And um, swim world. His son's going back to school, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. And now we are getting ready to, I guess, decide if we're going to have a season or not. And but club is still practicing, so USA okay. shut down. And mm-hmm. So to start with Monday, so we had to like you know kind of learn the guidelines since we're going to go from outdoors to indoors. Uh huh. So for me, I'll go ahead. What else? I feel like I feel like it's like just we try. I'm trying. It's like a I don't know. Like we're in like this whole stage where it's like we don't know what's going on, but we're trying to have some sense of normalcy still. Um, for me, you know, school is gonna start in a couple of weeks, and I've decided to with my swim classes. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna be creative about it. Tell me what you think, because I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the face shield like you said. <laughs> I just want to get in, and then you just um, use the guidelines. Um, okay. How many usually in a class? How many lanes y'all got? How many usually in a class? Because the rules are you can only have four per lane. Oh yeah, it's a, okay. So it's an eight lane pool. It's it's plenty of space. I'm gonna be the only class in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the you know uh, yeah, I'm gonna be the only class in there. And um, it's 12 students. And what I was thinking was even alternating, like, when they come. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to make it work and see how the semester goes. I don't really know. I don't, I don't have high hopes for, you know, when it gets into November and, you know, October and stuff. You know they only the got to do 30 days. What? They only have to go for 30 days. <laughs> to the pool? No, to school. So they can get all the federal money. They'll be sending them back home. I know. <laughs> so I feel, I feel, that's they doing. I, feel like, I wouldn't even concern myself with what you're concerned. I guess that's probably the attitude I have because I'm just like not really worried about it because I don't want to get into the groove of things and they're getting ready to shut us down. Yeah. Um, I just, and I, and like the, I don't know, y'all in Georgia. I love my state. I love my city. You know, um, but y'all wilding. Y'all governor <laughs> is um, he like I don't care. Like I'm shutting stuff down. We ain't having no mandates on masks. Like one kid, know. one kid died from COVID. Even though he, you know, he had underlying conditions, but he died. Do like kids have underlying conditions though, right? <laughs> so. I'm just like, what is? I don't know. These I don't know. So, um, but so I've been doing that, um, and just again meetings and meetings, uh, yeah. it's a lot, a lot of work from home. Yeah, my son's I've been, been at home trying to manage health. that. So I've been meeting new clients, telehealth, and that's been funny. Uh huh. How? How so? You know, kids on the camera. That's hilarious. They doing all, you know, you know, they gotta look at their teeth in and want to see what they can see in their body parts. So that's harder to try to get a kid who already got behavior issues in person to get them right over the computer. Yeah, I feel like this is a whole new way. Like it's gonna be studying done on us. 
And this time, like like 10 years or whatever from now, they're gonna be like, this era was, this is what happened during this time. Like, cause like, it still trips me out. First of all, I went to Target again. I love Target. Um, and and just seeing everybody in masks still trips me out. Like all the kids and everybody walk around in masks and stuff. I don't know. So I'm still getting used to getting used to this new normal that we have. So other than that, it's been the same old, same old. Well, I know. Yeah. What about what's been going on in like, you know, the news or in or in like, I don't know, anything interesting? Okay. What? So last week we were talking about the pick, right? The VP pick. <laughs> so what? Don't you know? Go ahead and ask me because I know you're gonna ask me. And <laughs> what do you think about the new VP pick, Dr. Allen? Um, I'm not surprised that he picked her. I am. I thought he wanted our vote. I, look, you know what? Honestly, I feel that he knows he has the majority of black vote already without having to have done anything. So he, he you know, I don't, yeah. I think he's still going to have it. Yeah, he is still gonna have. I mean, we don't really have another choice right now, though. That's kind of the thing. We kind of got bamboozled. We always get bamboozled. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, Kamala, so she was just. I don't know. What always sticks in my mind is when they asked her, "What is she going to do specifically for Black people?" And she was like, "Oh, I'm not going to do anything for Black people. No." I was like, "Okay." So okay, that that tells me what I need to hear. And you know, same thing with Biden. But I, I'm not super excited. I don't think the enthusiasm for this Democratic ticket is enthusiastic at all. No. And so um, I'm just just gonna see this this show happen until through November. I've seen like in this whole situation with this postal services and stuff, and like them picking up mail these those blue mailboxes and like. They are just setting this up for uh, disaster. I don't know. It's going to be a disaster, in my opinion. That's a criminal offense. Huh? That's a real criminal offense. To anyone who um, blocks the mailing purposeful, you know, that's like a, a federal crime. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren and some others, um, some other representatives um, have like put forth like to question what he's doing. So, like, I'm curious to see what's going on with that, but I don't know. It has to go out with a bang. It's been too good. This has been a really good movie. Yeah. It has to go out with a bang. There's no way it's just going to nice end nice and peacefully, and we're going to vote this Democrat again, and we're going to move on with life. It's not going to happen. Nah, he's going to be in that White House like, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like, y'all going to have to come drag me out. I'm not going anywhere. Okay? Anyway. So, that's what's been going on with us. Right. Um, we have this guy. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, that I've been watching him for a while on Instagram. And okay. I've actually been intrigued by him. Where did he come from? How did he get where he's going or where he's at, actually? And um, I just been like so fascinated because he's a black coach at this predominantly all white school. And he's doing very well. And so I don't know if he's had questions. I just want to meet him and like kind of figure out what's been the experience. How did he get there? How does he feel? Because you know, <laughs> we all have experiences when we're the only one. Mm-hmm. And we right. you know, all the time. So, every day, every time you have to prepare yourself to deal with those feelings. So, so um, Coach Nate Harden, let's bring him into the conversation and get to know him and talk to him. Hey, Coach Nate, how are you doing? Hey, hey, hey thanks for, for having me on. Um, I think this is dope. I think you guys, you know, having a podcast specifically, you know, for the some community is, is cool. Uh, you know, as soon as I see, as soon as I seen the, post, the Instagram post, I immediately thought, 
you know, Coach AJ, I DM like I'm trying to get on. I'm trying to get on on the podcast. <laughs> and talk to you, right? So, yeah, that this is dope. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate. It. No, thank you for uh, reaching out and wanting to come on. Like when we had discussions between us, you know, like there are things specific to like our culture as like you know black people that we experience in aquatics that we don't we talk about like amongst our circles but not you know i think it's important to have that out there so yeah so tell us about you where did you start swimming how did you get here yeah 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 i um really it was it was it was by accident my mother um who's not you know she she's not the good of a swimmer so um she kind of had me signed up for some lessons um, and I don't remember this, but from what she explained, um, I was just really good. You know, I did all the swim skills really well. Um, I would have my back turned to the lifeguard. And whenever lifeguard would instruct me to do anything, I would just do it pretty effortlessly. And so as I progressed through the summer, um, that particular summer, through the different levels of swim lessons, um, she thought she was signing me up for kind of a, you know, an advanced swim lesson. And we got there, we seen kids swimming back and forth. And she was like, oh, this is, it's a swim team, you know? And so she was like, well, um, you know, we already paid for it. So, you know, go ahead and try it out, you know? So, so she I, just went, she just went with it. Yeah, she just went with it. You know, she, she was, she didn't, she didn't, definitely didn't back away, shy away from it. And my mom always, you know, had me in different sports and different things. So. It just was something different to try. You know, my parents are really, you know, supportive. And um, from then I, I just fell in love with it. And so I, that was at the age of five, I, I kind of get introduced to a summer league swim team. And uh, from that point, really up until the age of 10, uh, I was really swimming competitively year round. I did that, that summer league team for about two years. And then I moved to a year round swim team and was swimming at a pretty high high level um and so that's how that was that's my introduction to the sport um really it was it was by accident so um when you continue so how did you continue on through there um like you said you had the story about your mom and the whole experience yeah. of you said were you like the only black kid on the team um, are yeah. you from California? Where are you from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm from Southern California, and yeah, okay. Um, you know, most most times we were the only black team on the on. I mean, black family on the team. Um, uh -huh. There were a a few at that time. There were like a few small, a few very few uh, Hispanic families. You know, okay. Um, but it was predominantly white, so like it was like you know our family, and then maybe one or two Hispanic families. And then the rest of the team was white. So, so like we have we talk about this all the time. We have different experiences, right? So I grew up in Decatur, Georgia, in Atlanta. Uh, and so I mean it was just all black. I was like, oh, yeah. black people swim, they do. Like, you know, so it was, I was on a black swim team, um, and through high school, and I just you know, I didn't realize it like growing up, like that this isn't regular, like this yeah, isn't the way things I are. What about you, uh, Adrian? Like, yeah, I might have had that only experience. Remember, we talked about um, the culture shock when I came to college. So okay. before that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, for me, it was like I'm, I'm regular. It's home, okay. Yeah, it was um, actually. So my mom actually got upset with me because I had been swimming since I was little. And when I got to high school, you know, here I am, the only black girl. These braids, you know, it was just so uncomfortable. And practice, basketball practice and swim practice was at the same time in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I had made the basketball team, but I had not told my mom that I wasn't swimming. I was only playing basketball. And so she figures it out and she's pissed because she had already paid. So swimming. you were going to practice and you weren't telling your mom. <laughs> she was just dropping me off. It's like six o'clock in the morning. So okay. I was just going you know, and then, you know, you go to school from there. So I quit because I was, you know, like only black. And I had a really good friend on the team. He was just like, oh, you know, you should keep coming to practice. And I'm like, no, I would be cold. So I'm in D.C. area. So it was cold in the morning. And it just was so many reasons why I just did not want to do it. So she, I mean, she mm -hmm. was really, really bad. And so recently she's like, oh, I see all my money. I invested in swimming is coming back. <laughs> gotcha. 
So tell us, continue to tell us the story about your mom, you know, your, you going through um, and in, in your hospital experience. Cause you said it was a gap between, you yeah. know, you swimming and yeah. as an adolescent to like high school. So, yeah, yeah. So um, at, at the age of 10, my parents got divorced and, um, you know, I, I stopped swimming on the, the, the year round team. And we were the, the year round club team that I was on, it was kind of a, at 10, it was a small team. Um, it was a small team. Uh, now that I really think about it, I think it, it, you know, I don't even know if it was really open to everybody because it, it was like every, it was the coaches, kids, um, me, and like a couple other families. You know what I mean? And we were all swimming at a very, very high level. Um, so uh, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like kind of closed, and my mom just found out, or some some parent or somebody seen me swimming at a swim meet. And kind of like, hey, you know, we, we'll let him uh, come swim on our team, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I did that, and I just we just kind of stopped. And I always thought it was well, you know, things just got complicated when my parents got divorced, and so we had to stop. You know, my mom told me when I started coaching at this school, she told me that the real story was um, all of the parents had to, you know, bring uh, contribute something to the snack bar for our, our swim meet that we had. And so my mom's job was to bring um, a sack of potatoes. And I guess she went to the store and, you know, she, between her groceries and the sack of potatoes, she just didn't have enough money to buy the sack of potatoes. And that was her kind of aha moment um, to let her know, like, dang, this is it. Like, you know, we can no longer afford for Nathan to continue to swim um, on the swim team. And, you know, so my mom, I, I, the way I think of it is my mom, you know, she, she, so she she continued. She went as long as she possibly could until she could not could not do it anymore. Um, and so we, we didn't we didn't go to that swim meet, and then we never went to swim practice after that. You know, and she didn't tell anybody, and she didn't really even have um, really anybody that can really relate to where we were. You know, um, in a financial sense, and mm-hmm. uh, on the team, any other parents that could relate because like they were mostly all upper middle class. You know, and so. Um, you know, she didn't, she didn't tell anybody, she didn't call. And nowadays, you know, a lot of some teams, if you, if, if, if parents are okay, you know, if you mention something like that to a coach, especially if you're a really good swimmer, you know, they have programs to where, you know, they allow, uh, families to, to swim at a discount rate or sometimes even for free. You know, I, I even think if you're good enough, they, you know, they're like, oh, don't worry about, don't worry about paying, just keep bringing them to practice, you know, um, but she, and I don't know if that was the case back then, but, you know, it could have been a little bit of pride and, you know, embarrassment and, you know, like, and, and, and she was genuinely hurt. And so fast forward to high school, I, I, I mean, I from, I went back to the, to the summer league team when I was 12, I swam a little bit. So it's kind of like an off and on type of thing with the water. I did other sports. Um, when I got to high school, um, I got introduced to water polo. Water polo is really big in Southern California. It's huge. Um, so I played water polo all four years, played basketball in high school, and then swam all four years in high school as well. Um, and so I, that that aspect, my, my mother though, you know, really, if I she went from, you know, it was just me and her, you know, doing everything as far as swimming and you know to fast forward to high school, she probably went to maybe two of my swim meets, and this is something that I did I just didn't register in high school either. You know, I didn't. My mom was working. I didn't think that. Some meets were at three o'clock, you know, it was like, it's not, you know, that big of a deal if you can't make it. But um, she said that the real reason why she didn't make it because she was so hurt because she knew where the the projection that I was going, you know, and the aspirations that I had, you know, I wanted to be on the Olympic team. And for me to take four years off, theoretically, you know, like I was behind, I was still a really good swimmer, but I was, I was behind compared to where I was. And, and she just like, I couldn't even watch that, you know, like I, it, and she kind of felt, you know, she, she put it on herself. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, she was the reason why, you know, her and my father, the reason why she, I couldn't really enjoy and progress the way I should have, you know? So that's um, interesting. That's, um, I think that's an interesting, uh, dynamic to our culture and the relationship we have with swimming and with the water, because I mean, the reality of it is, you know, like black American families, like we don't have the, like swimming is expensive, you know, like, and we don't have the collectively, I'm talking about just overall in general, like the 
the money and the wealth and the to maintain like those country club sports, right? Right, where you know you have to pay fees every month and you have to get swimsuits all the time. You have to have like it's just very expensive. So something like basketball, you know, where you only have to, it's not you know that expensive, you know, not nearly. Um, and so like that, that dynamic that we have to, um, face, you know, and just being like, I'm, you know, you can be in these settings and have access to these places, but these families who, you know, these white families, they might have a hundred thousand dollars just sitting in the bank, just they good, you know? And so it's just, that's an interesting dynamic. I think that we need to take into account when it comes to not only swimming, but, you know, other sports and being physically active. And like our show, we talked about recreation and leisure um, and opportunities to do that too. So yeah, that's just your story is an example of that. Your story is a lot of people's story. Um, so at coaching in inner city, I do experience that a lot of parents won't say anything. And all of a sudden, the kid won't come after tryouts. Once they find out how much the fees are, they don't really come back anymore. So I have to follow up and say, hey, what happened? And, you know, the parent might say something totally different. But the kid will tell the truth. Like, my mom, right. we don't have the money like that. And so then I have to follow up and go back to the mom. Be like, hey, if you let them play or you let them swim or, you know, look out, da 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 da, da. And that's usually how it's... Um, you know, I have to kind of play it. So, Nate, how do you play that? Like, have you experienced having to um, step in and take care of a kid who, you know, like really had the heart to swim, but financially? Yeah, yeah. So my first year I, I coached, um, when I first started coaching, I coached at the inner city school um, with a high school team. So I was coaching the high school swim team and both boys and girls water polo uh, teams. And um, right away it was – because I, I kind of recall that was me when I was in high school playing water polo. Mm -hmm. like and it's so interesting because it didn't really occur to me, even though I was like 16, 17, like it didn't really occur to me that everybody doesn't have a similar situation, family mm -hmm. dynamic, financial situation as I do. I, I knew that everybody didn't have a, the same, but I just thought we were all kind of on the same level. But the reality check for me when I was playing, and then I'll, I'll get into like how I was coaching when I, when I played. Um, one of my water polo teammates, I was walking. So I lived about maybe uh, a little under a mile away from the high school campus. And so I would walk to like even morning practice. I would go, I would walk to morning practice. And, and, uh, and one of my teammates who was two years younger than me. So I was a senior, he was a sophomore. Um, he just got his driver's permit. His parents brought him a brand new truck. And so he was driving and, you know, he seen me, he seen me walking and he stopped and picked me up and he's like, can you walk? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I didn't know that. He was like, um, you know, since I was a senior, he couldn't understand and wrap his head around why why my parents hadn't bought me a car yet. Oh, car yet. <laughs> You're right. He didn't really, like not having enough money didn't even occur to him. He was just like, well, why, you know, why don't you have a car yet? And I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, if, I, if I had a chance to have a car, I would not be walking. You know what I mean? So, but... And it was it was such a sincere question, and then I knew him as my teammate. Like he didn't mean any harm by it. He just like he just it, he didn't he couldn't understand why my parents wouldn't buy me a car. You know what I mean? So that was the first time it really kind of registered. Like, occurred to you? Not really on the same page. You know what I mean? So and then when I started coaching um, right away, uh, you know, I had a, a, a I'd say maybe half a team. You know, different things like, for example, like some practice or a water polo practice would be, you know, um, as a coach, I want them to be there every practice, you know, um, if they can be there. But sometimes the reasons why wouldn't be have anything to do with them. You know, like, coach, I got to be home because I got to watch my siblings. You know, my, my, my mom has to work um, extra shift. So I got to be home and watch, you know, things like that started to come up. And I'm like, wow. And so we would swim against other schools from different school districts or play against other schools, it's a different, like it's a different monster. You know, like I'm, I'm battling things that these coaches, you know, don't have to deal with, you know what I mean? Like those, those kids, you know, and it's not their fault, but those kids, you know, they worry about their academics and worry about some practice. That's it. Have y'all you know I mean? seen, um, it's a show on Netflix called All American? Yes, I love it. 
And this is like the prime example thing. You know what I'm saying? Like this 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 student star football player is amazing, but then he gets recruited by this, you know, and so like the the kids that he's now at school with the predominantly white class, you know, school, they don't really understand like why are you going back home every day? Wow. Why are you why are you doing this? Why are you going to take care of your brother? Why you know what I'm saying? And why are you not at this party? Like what and and so I think that happens so much. And I think now maybe what do y'all think? Do y'all think now like society is starting to like realize the, that there are significant differences. I don't think no. so, I'm gonna go back to water polo. So this year okay. is my son's first year playing water polo. So mind you, these same kids on the water polo team are also on my swim team. Water polo fees were five hundred dollars. From like, I, I, I was like, well, what are we paying for? I paid water polo association fifty dollars. So I'm like, well, what's the rest of the fees? Mm-hmm. For meat fees, I'm like, oh, that's weird because my meat fees are only like seven bucks, you know, per kid. So I'm like, okay, and it's just we have to pay for the like we pay for everything a la carte because um, it's not sanctioned. Water polo is very, very new over here, so it's not as popular. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dang. What I noticed was me and the other black was only two black kids on the team. We were the only moms that were like, we're gonna have to do a payment plan. And, and black families be like, they better come pick them up in a limo. That better be like, yeah. Yeah, we, had, <laughs> we had to do carpooling. Yeah. So it was right after my car was stolen. So imagine I couldn't even volunteer to be, Girl. you know. So I would have felt just like your mom had I not have already been in the community and already been the coach. And so they knew my situation, but I would have felt the way. Not only paying $500 for the fees, then you have to bring snacks. So I get it. You're right. We're going to bring snacks. So then it's like, you're, that's a lot. And I would oftentimes feel bad too, just for him, because um, there were times where he couldn't um, make certain practices because I'm working too. So, mm-hmm. you know, carpooling, you know, I didn't always want to feel comfortable with the carpool because I was like, dang, my child almost got to be in a carpool. You know, one time he was left. It was just different things that just wasn't comfortable with. And yeah. so I do feel I'm like, always looking for someone to like do private water polo if they would do that, you know, to catch them up because I feel what you're saying when your mom says sometimes it's hard to watch him not be on the same level. He can swim fast. He's a good swimmer. He's super tall, but he was he missed a lot of time because those camps were so expensive. I couldn't afford all those camps. You know, so he just can only do this basic practice, the Tuesday, Thursday practice. He could do the other practices that they did. This is this is making me nervous. Aiden's only two. So I had to talk to the mom like. tell her the other coach. I said, Well, you know, we do she was saying she wanted to get more kids, you know, in the inner city Atlanta. I was like, Well, we gotta work on your fees because yeah. you're not gonna get those kids on the west side and the south side that's gonna be able to afford five hundred dollar fee when they don't have to pay that with basketball and football. Right. Or I don't I don't charge that right. money. That's a lot of money. I think it's. A, think, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, th- I think it's a. Um, unfortunately, in today's day and age, you know, um, youth sports is is the the business aspect is a huge os- obstacle that we have to kind of get over. So, you know, I, I would hope uh, anybody who is you know providing somewhat of a, um, a a truthful product and you know they're actually like being truthful and they're not like trying to rob you know parents uh, you know to some extent. The, the business side of things is what puts the price up, you know what I mean? So like, we want to really bring our like students that look like us into a sport and give them an opportunity. Students who may not have an opportunity to be able to pay that much money for just play water polo or swim. We have to really be creative on the business side of things. And from my experience, I just think a lot of very, 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 very few coaches, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm, you know, like, in California, and you know, I, I'm familiar and know a lot of club coaches around the around the country. Um, just a few of them are really—they don't have to. Like the thing about it, their their business is doing well as is. You know, mm-hmm. so what in what incentive do they have to adjust a few things and be very creative business wise to allow people that look like us in? They don't really need to if their business is already doing well. They would have to do that from the kindness of their heart. You know, right. So, 
Um, I think um, that- I was I was in con- we and we talked about this. Um, I don't know if you are you familiar with diversity in aquatics? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So you should are you, are you a member? You should join. But um, uh, but we had a, a town hall about that and um, talking just talking about like the just the disparities and, you know, there were mostly white people in the in the webinar that and they were asking questions like you know so what can we do do can we do free things can we do and i was just like i think that they again like your friend didn't understand you know the dynamics of what you know black families or you know other families may be going through when it comes to finances and um and so yeah, I mean, I think that those conversations need to happen and for there to be some like empathy and, you know, understanding because, you know, and then also like if you have a free program, they wonder why, you know, those students, students may not come regularly and it's like you want to put some value yeah. to it. Like they, exactly. you know, we don't want to be given stuff for free. We want to, you know, contribute, but it's like what we really can't is like between getting going to the grocery store and nowadays like you know things are going up astronomically and so it's the difference between getting your groceries and um and and then paying for your kid to do extracurricular activities like you really really need to understand the dynamics for me i come from like i my whole point of view is a systematic thing like we are really Seriously, if you look at the data economically, we are like bottom cast. We don't have any money. We don't have any wealth. We don't like liquid money in the bank. Like we might have a car and a house, but money that we can actually, we live in check to check. Even even if our salaries are high, considered high, we are still, we don't accrue wealth like they do. And we are just so far behind. And then that just bleeds into every other part of our life. And especially when it comes to recreation and sport. And so um, these are important conversations to have and to let people know. I also, sorry, Cher, I think that what happens is um, uh, people like us need to have responsibility in that as well. You know, yeah. coaches, you know, Nate, myself, um, that's just like that time we were on that call and that same question came up. The Atlanta call. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to be honest. This is my show. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. We I, I, and, and remember I had to, I was stopped when I was getting ready to, I started off my statements. I said, well, I'm, I'm a little concerned that Four out of five are black and nothing has done been done to Yeah, when we are put in when we are put in these places, we no. have to be continue to be advocates and not be like, you know, bought out by like, oh well, we're gonna slide you this or we gonna do this and oh, like yeah. jeopardizing what's happening, you know. So absolutely I agree. Yeah, like we gotta it's our responsibility. Do better. So we gotta do better, yeah. right? You know, and um, that's why I like to see representation like you, Coach uh, Nate, and your story is really good because that's the same story as a whole bunch of other people. I've had people who come to me who, um, guys, uh, especially guys who probably spent time in jail, you know, went to college, but they was in jail for trying to make ends meet with their families, whatever, and they were like, oh, man, I was a great swimmer. Show me old high school pictures, and I'm like, damn, or middle school pictures. Oh, I saw you know, this time, da, 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 da. and I'm like, what happened? Same story. Man, we just really couldn't afford it after so long, or we got to high school or college, and it really was an opportunity there, you know, or I just, it really wasn't there for me no more. And that's where I think um, Ashira is doing her work with HBCUs, uh, trying to rebuild those programs back again. Because I don't understand. I'm trying to do my thing just here, you know, as luckily and trying to spread the word of how we can make money, uh, create revenues and resources so that we can put swimming that is a life skill back in our, you know, black communities um, and fixing those dilapidated pools that's right there in the middle of a black community. So you can have a black swim team or practices for 
um, hell, everybody, the whole family, you know, down to the special needs kids. You know, that's my passion now from special needs kids to everybody, the whole family. I have uh, crisis with swimming where people say, oh, I want myself. And they say, well, I can't swim myself. Okay, mom, I'm going to add you, you. Your lesson might only be $10 per session because you're paying full price for your child. But I need you to learn how to swim, too. Exactly. So, you know, you got to get, like you say, get creative on the business side, but you got to actually have the heart to actually come in and do what we're talking about right now. And that's the only way we can start making changes because what happened is this. Think about it. If they see a team full of black kids that can swim, right? What you letting going to start doing? Recruiting. I was they, about to say something else, but okay. <laughs> they are. They're going to start recruiting more black kids. They start, when they see, when they start burning shit down, like, they, you know. They're going to start recruiting. They're going to start okay. black kids. They're going to say facts. I'm going to listen. They're going to You say, know what? Okay. Listen. Let me see. Okay. Let me ask you, Coach Nate, because, okay. You are <laughs> at a... No, because this is another actually on the same page. I think I know what you're going to ask me because I'm I'm definitely want to talk about this. But go ahead. This is um this is another thing. Okay, I don't know maybe because I be I be going there. I be trying to reel it in, but yeah, we um, but so with the recruiting and they they see us and they want us like oh my gosh, y'all are amazing athletes because we have we are amazing, amazing. right? We got ma- we got magic. We got this st- anyway. So. Then that starts to deplete, like, like I think we need to keep it in house. We need to keep wow. it because that's what happened to our HBCUs. They see all of us, our top athletes, and then it's like, oh, let's start recruiting and building these, and let's recruit. So, and and so we, our talent, and started going other places and athletics run these schools. If y'all are seeing what's going on when them shutting down football programs for the whole day, they don't know what to do because they are losing millions. Like they are losing so much money. When I was at Auburn, I didn't even realize. I was like, you got to go through athletics to do everything. Like everything. (laughs) Every, I didn't even, I didn't realize it. When I I was like, so y'all got to go to athletics to talk about uh, how y'all going to have an event over here. Like why? But athletics runs everything. And so I feel that we need to start to keep our talent, don't deplete our talent because right. then that starts to deplete our institutions and our organizations and our whatever. So how do you feel being at a predominantly white institution as a black coach and your it looks from your pay, you know, from your information that you're the only one there. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I even try to look at through the, the uh, I was like, yeah, somebody Maybe I'm. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm the only one. I'm the only oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I, so, so it's man. I, I'm so glad you asked that question, and that's such a deep question. But I think it's a lot of information out there that a lot of people don't understand just about college athletics. Mm-hmm. And so, first and foremost, um, Howard is the only HBCU um, with with the swim team, and so I think that is. Be, 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 you know, if I, correct me if I'm, you know, you ladies may know a little bit more than I do um, as far as that, the actual HBCUs that have some programs, but, you know, because I actually was, you know, recruited by one is FAMU. At one point, it was FAMU, Howard, North Carolina A&T, and then Coppin State um, had a swimming dive team as well. Um, but I mean, back in the, like, the, in the 80s, 70s, um, 60s, like, you know, uh, Morehouse College, Albany State, we went to Albany State University mm-hmm. for Valley, like, all a lot of them had swim teams. Yeah, so, so that's that's so we we talk about the issue now. You know, w- the point of what I was saying was at one point those schools had swim teams. Fast forward to now, they don't. Usually, the the underlying reason why is funding, right? And so like the budgeting. And so people, you know, and this is not even just in our community. This is just the swim community as a whole. People, you know, throw stuff like they do this for football, they do this for basketball, they do this for well. Yeah, it's because football and basketball, men's and women's basketball, are the only revenue-producing sports. So, yeah. you, and I think we're in a and we're in a, a crazy time to where, I think most college sports are going to have to find a way to either um, not be in the red. Doesn't matter if you're a volleyball. Doesn't matter if you're cross country. Doesn't matter if you're swim. At any program, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, they're going to have to find a way 
to not cost because as you can see this coronavirus happened and we're you know everybody is like what we do budgets are all out the window you know that they're forcing students to play football because so much relies on the revenue from football mm -hmm. so you know we have one or two options and i think this is what until we get to that point to where we can say our swim and dive team from howard our swim and dive team from hampton our swim and dive team from north carolina ant can support themselves without the university um you know having it so so now we're not asking for the, the, the university for a hundred thousand dollars to support the budget which the university does not have we can support ourselves you know then then there's power in that second thing is with with howard's football team goes the rest of howard's athletic program so the more money that howard's football program brings in the more money that howard swim and dive has people don't more money that howard basketball brings in the more the more money is set up for the opportunity for howard swim and dive to thrive so people kind of don't understand it so when you talk about these big time programs like you know auburn lsu you know these big they have these state-of-the-art swim facilities you know what i mean it's because they have they bring in millions they have so much money and they have each year they have millions of dollars they don't know what to do like um we don't know what to do with this money so let's just build another uh got a question yeah let's let's put, yeah. Let's, put, let's put ipads in the athletic facilities because we don't even know what to do with it you know what i mean so they have so much money to spend so i think the when we actually like you know as a swim community we have to support football we have to support basketball because the way the model is set up now it's the only way that sports flourish and in the meantime, while we're doing, you know, while we're doing that, we have to find a way from a business perspective. At the end of the day, college sports is a business. We have to find a way from a business perspective to really get our, our swim and dive team to support themselves. You know what I mean? And I think I think it's possible. I think the way you do that in today's day and age is content. But, you know, and you can leverage content to kind of support yourself, you know, like with YouTube, Instagram, like then you, you have some freedom there to not have to go to university. And ask Howard Athletics, Howard Administration, hey, say, you know, oh, you know, we're, we need to cut you guys' budget by twenty grand. Oh, great, great, we already didn't have enough. You know what I mean? Right. And so look up five years, and the, and the program is cut. You know, so. But are other but are other teams doing that? Like, is because I mean, if the students are representing that you know, university through that team, and they're good, you know, then shouldn't the university? support them financially yeah i mean they should way. but it's, i think it always comes down to whether they whether they either choose to or you know what's like i i feel like you know that's another thing too i think we look at in a general perspective this is like because there's some teams right now like you know we don't really have one so thank god how some team is still there you know i pray that they continue to to, to flourish you know but there's some teams across the country that are being cut because of the coronavirus so mm -hmm. and they're, they're good some teams like some teams that are sending kids to ncaa's like like they're they're good have good swimmers good coaching staffs they are being cut because you know things the budget the the, the line items is not they're not looking right so i think you know it's it's great to to have the students represent you and it's good to have a good thing going in the swim team specifically for us you know have that representation for us but you know, on a on a spreadsheet on an accounting sheet, and nobody sees yeah. the numbers. You know, like and I found awesome. and I found that I just because uh, at Central we have an Olympic size pool and um and our and on campus and the amount of money just the upkeep of the pool itself is ridiculous. Like yeah. and so the pool would be down for like three years and then it's like all right we ain't got like we like passion patchwork. And so then now it's it's up and running, you know, but how long are they going to, because it's a lot of, it's like in the, like repairs and, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe into like even millions and stuff. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a complicated thing. But, to, I'm sorry. Huh? How did you get to coaching? Um, yeah. In the college. Like, how did you get to where you are? Yeah. So, so I went to um, the junior college for about um, two semesters, and um, I, one of my friends, her, her father, actually was running a program to help students get into HBCUs. And this was right around the time that the movie Drumline had came out. So I, my my interest was really peaked um, about HBCUs. Wow. Like, and I'm from Southern California. You know, um, I, my high school was probably twenty five percent black. You mm -hmm. know, so. 
Um, you know, we had a we had a good amount of black students, but and we all hung out together. So like just being around my people like, and the idea of like there's an entire college that where we like everybody looks like me. That was you know I was like I gotta go I I, I gotta go to HBCU. So um, I got I looked into Grambling and I did really well at my junior college. And so you know he he kind of helped me set up connecting me to the admissions and they actually gave me um, a scholarship to go to Grambling. Grambling I was looking at Tuskegee Grambling. Uh, Florida A and M, Texas Southern, a lot of this, a lot of this black schools um, down south. I wanted to go down south, and so um, Grambling offered me the most academic money, so I picked Grambling. I'd never been to Louisiana, um, you know. I just really traveled all through around Southern California for swimming. I'd never been really out of the state, really, except for like Vegas. So um, went to Grambling um, four years, majored in uh, kinesiology, sport management. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I picked Gremlin as well. At the time, Gremlin was one of like nine or 10 schools that, ha that had an undergraduate sports management program. Um, it was sport, the idea of sports management, especially from a bachelor's degree, was very new at the time. So that was one of the reasons why it helped me solidify and pick Gremlin um, to do sports management. And then graduated from Gremlin and went to Louisiana Tech, which is about, you know, 10 minute drive from Gremlin. Um, for grad school and went in sport performance. And that was really more of the, the performance side of sports. Started to like really love that. Didn't know I was gonna coach. Um, while I was in Louisiana, I actually started, um, I was teaching swim lessons over the summer and you know, it was black family. There's a couple of black families, you know, that taught their kids how to swim. And they were just intrigued by a black man that could swim so well. And so one of the moms pulled me to the side, like, you know, can you teach, I already taught her daughter, she had progressed and she was like, well, can you teach our daughter how to swim? And I was kind of looking at her like, what do you mean swim? You know, they're like, she can swim, <laughs> you know? And she was like, no, 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 no. Can you like teach her how to really swim? You know, she wants to be on some team like you swim, you swim well. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. You know, I could teach her. And so that's, I got the kind of taste of like coaching. Like I loved it, you know, and then, um, did grad school, still was kind of like, you know, teaching private lessons here and there. Then I moved back to California and started coaching at the high school I've mentioned previously. And that was when I got my foot in the door through coaching um, high school. And when I started coaching high school, I really, you know, I knew I wanted to do this on a bigger scale, you know, um, and I was really just praying to be able to do it full time. Um, and coaching college, I really, from that, when I started coaching high school, swimming, I wanted to coach in college. You know, that was like, I knew that was the goal. And I really just got set up. I, mean, I got, you know, connected with people. And, you know, four years later, I got an opportunity to be an assistant at uh, Pomona College, Pomona Pitzer. And from there, you know, this is my third program that I've coached in college and just been able to, been fortunate enough to make connections and coach in college. So, how you been, yeah, that is. So, how, what's been the experience? Um, what have you, as a black coach and um, coaching um, in the PWIs, like how has that worked? How has that felt? Like just walking on the deck, you know, what is that like? Um, you know, it's a, it was a lot of things that I, I felt when I was a young, young boy. I just didn't understand. My mom, we had a couple of experiences that I remember vividly, like when my dad was recording me um, and and it's, it's crazy to really think about it now because this lady was considered, no, she wasn't a coach. She was she was the coach's, she was my coach's wife. So it was really kind of, but their son was the same age as me, you know? And so it was a little bit of competition there, but my dad was recording me and she and she stepped in front of the camera um, toward the end of the race. Um, and we, yeah, you know, and so my parents were, they were, they were hot, you know? And I didn't understand what, did you beat her son? Yeah, yeah. That's that was, that was the, the it was a long it was a long course. <laughs> it was a long course. I want to say like hundred freestyle. Um, oh, and I, you know, I was like ten. But her, uh, we were at the same age, and then we were, you know, we were about we were at the same ability level. I was, you know, but I was on the rise, and he was kind of plateauing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he had been swimming competitively and getting more attention longer than I had. So I, he, I wasn't supposed to be faster than him. And so the race, you know, he was ahead of me. And then, you know, you can tell I was I was catching him and passing him up. And then right as I passed him up, she stepped in front of the camera. And my parents were, were pretty were pretty upset. But it was one of those instances where they're, they're on a pool deck, you know, surrounded by a bunch of white people. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and my dad, he's kind of like, you know, flip out first, ask questions second. You know, so it took everything in him to not 
you know, go out. But but we like you have to kind of restrain yourself because then you become, you know, that you know you can become everything they think about you. You know, so you know they were talking about on the whole ride home. My mom said something to her. You know, I, <laughs> she said something to her, but she says you know keeping in mind that this is deal with her every day still at some practice. You know, because she kept it cordial, but. Um, but they talked about the whole ride. They both were so upset. And I was like in the backseat, like, why are you guys so upset? Like, she didn't mean this. Step in. My mom was like, Nathan, you're too young to understand right now. You know, you, you'll understand when you get older, you know, and she said that. And so now my experience is like, I can recall certain things happening when I was young. I just didn't understand. And so I still experienced a lot of those things as a coach, believe it, on a college level. You know, I'm not even talking about high school and the college level, I experienced a lot of things. Um, I, cause I, now I, even before this, so, you know, the whole, the, the state that our country is in, you know, I've always been somebody to ask questions, you know, people are intrigued by a black man, a black coach. Um, just to let you guys know, there, there are, um, I think around 1200, if you count all of the head coaches and, um, assistant coaches and NCAA swimming, there's, you know, like tw between 12 to 1300 coaches. Um, and 30 of them are black. Um, yeah, and only, I, I wanna say only six, there's only like six black head coaches. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's, when you really look at the numbers, it's sad, you know? Um, and so I, my experience is that I, I've always known that since I started coaching in college, that I'm, I'm one of very few. Um, I go to coaches conventions and do things. And, and, you know, I went to NCAAs and, and I looked around and like, all the students, like, you know, they're all white. And I'm, when I look around, it's like, we, our world doesn't look like this, you know what I'm saying? You know, so why does our sport at the highest level, when we go to college NCAAs, why is it, why is everyone, why, like, you can count on your right hand how many black swimmers there are, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, like, and I'm looking around, like, you know, everybody is kind of okay with it because everybody else is white. So they don't even really understand why this will be an issue because it doesn't really affect them, so to speak. And so right now, my experience is I'm, I get a lot of pushback, but I, I don't know. I just kind of I kind of bring I kind of bring pressure. You know what I mean? And if I if I, I feel like I make you feel uncomfortable, it's good because at the very least, <laughs> at the very least, I've made you think. And so right now, especially with the height of how everything feels, everybody's kind of like, oh, you know, make sure Coach Nate is OK and, you know, make sure, you know, he feels. That's crazy. Because, you know, they they understand you know, where we are and even recruiting. Like I, like one of my goals and I had to really check myself in this, you know, and there's nothing wrong with what my mindset was, but I had to realize where we are as a people in this sport. One of my goals is like, okay, you know, I coached this team and, and the whole team is white. It's like, well, let me just add some flavor. Let me recruit some black swimmers. You know what I mean? It, it's some, it's some, it's, it's a few obstacles because I go to a private institution, you know, tuition is ridiculous, you know, but that doesn't mean that there aren't black swimmers who, who, you know, under certain circumstances, we can make it work. You know, like, you know, there's, there's academic scholarship, there's ways we can make it work. You know what I mean? So um, I was like, let me just recruit some black swimmers. And then all this happened. And then I started to talk to, I had a zoom call with the black student union um, on campus. And I was just mm -hmm. like, well, let, before I even start recruiting black swimmers, like how, what's it like on campus? Like before I didn't even know what I'm bringing these students into, you know what I mean? I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that everything is, you know, is good. And it turns out like, you know, probably like most predominantly white institutions, you know, it, at this point, this day and age, 2020, August, 2020, there is a lot of tension on campus. You know what I mean? And, and I would imagine most campuses with the exception of HBCUs, there's a lot of tension between the black student population and, and the, because everybody sees what it is, you know? So for me, you know, I'll kind of shift that. I still want to, you know, I'm still for that, but, because I don't really know what I'm bringing the students into, and I, I, you know, I support my the institution that I work for. I'm not talking bad about them, but I think just like any other predominantly white institution, they're going through growing pains, and we have to like try to convince. I, as a coach, I got and as an administrator, I got to try to convince the administration to feel what I feel, and I just feel like, just me. This is my Nathan's personal opinion. I feel like I'm I'm going to spend less energy trying to convince people to understand where we're coming from, and I'm going to spend more energy uplifting my people. You know what I mean? Uplifting like so when I when I say 
um, you know, I, I, I'm put that recruiting. I'm still going to recruit Black Summers. That's always I, I I have to do that, you know. But now, you know, like doing things, you know, writing things for BlackKidsSwim.com. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. writing things the same. You know, they have the they have these you know, extensive write ups for the swimmers. We have so many talented Black Summers, like mm-hmm. like talented. And you were right. You know, they go to these big schools. You know what I mean? They go to they don't they don't they don't really consider Howard, you know what I mean? And it's o- it's only Howard. That's the main, that's one of the right. issues. Right, that's the problem you know, too. Um, and so- Everybody and we, don't want to go to DC. Yeah, and so like we don't we don't have a, a wide range. Of, we should have at least six to seven schools to choose from if we really are going to have a presence. And and if I'm if I'm honest with you guys, if, if a quarter, not even all, if a quarter, 20% of the, of the black talent went to HBCUs, We'll be dominating NCAA's. Like it, it, it would not even, you know, you don't even. We don't even need everyone to go. We just need a small percentage, right. and um, because it's that much black talent. Like it, you know, especially in California, if, if a lot of these students don't even consider, like they don't even know what an HBCU is. You know, they just like, okay, I want to go to Stanford. I want to go here. I want to go to Division One. I, I want to go. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that mindset, but. You know, they go there and, you know, they don't really understand the, the idea of a black college environment. And um, I think that's what I want to spend my energy kind of doing. And hopefully one day I can even, you know, coach, you know, at HBCU and, you know, get to that point. But um, I think that's what I'm spending my energy on now. So, yeah, my experiences are kind of crazy. Um, but, yeah, same experiences. You know, it's not all negative, but it definitely, definitely, you know, is an uphill thing. Well, your experience is, you know, a valued one, and hopefully we can, you know, continue. Maybe we, we can move the these markers forward where we can yeah, yeah, start sure. to get more coaches, get swimmers in these places. Right. And I think we're all doing, trying to do as much work as we can within the, you know, confines of what we, like, the barriers that we have. So, yeah. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yes, really thank you so much for coming. You've yeah. been a black man and I like your, uh, I appreciate your story. And yeah, I appreciate your story. You. Mother, that actually made me feel good because y'all sound like me and my son. And so I had to pull back a, um, a lot with him because this was the first, last summer was the first time I ever coached him. But just mm-hmm. one-on-one, I had been with him all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I let him play water polo as a break for me. <laughs> so like maybe just to give him something else outside of swimming. But um I appreciate that because that actually hit home for me and made me feel good. And I like the product that she created. So hopefully that will um my work won't be in vain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, we definitely need more more um black students playing water polo that I think I think on this on the swim level, you know, in today's day and age, you know, our, our representation is definitely growing, you know, um, water polo is a little bit of a different story. Um, there are actually a national team. There actually is a black, black player from Long Beach. Um, he's really good too. Uh, but we, we need, that would be great. You know, we need, we need more representation, you know, just in a quad, in a, a different aquatic sports in general. Right. And, you know, I Cause you know, crew get good scholarships, young man. Did I know what? You're trying to hook your son up, hold on, on the show. No, crew. I'm, I'm talking about crew. You know, they get good scholarships, like because I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because actually, one of my swimmers, um, she is not swimming. She's actually gonna go do crew instead. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I had a high school swimmer. The same thing. She went to. She's at University of San Diego now, but she went to University of Virginia, and she was a really good swimmer. Actually, so she could have swum in college if she if she wanted to. Um, really but they she got recruited to row um oh, yeah. and, uh, so like they they definitely recruit swimmers um to row and so mm-hmm. like and they because because it's just it's, it's such a nuanced sport that there's just not many people you know it's not like you can go to a, a pool and, and go to swim meets and recruit swimmers you know like rowing like it's very you got to have a, body, a specific body of water you got to have a specific so it's only select places where that's even going on so mm-hmm. it's not a very big pool of, of high school students to recruit from and so they have a lot of transferring over from different sports to uh, rowing and it's a lot of opportunity because they don't they lack they are there's a lot of money out there um, for students 
Well, I'm gonna keep in contact with you about this water polo thing because if I'm gonna yeah. be paying five hundred dollars a season, <laughs> yeah. well, California, California, it's like it's like seven, eight hundred. You know, what I mean, Whoa. it's crazy. Yeah. If I'm investing this type of money, I need you to come back to me. So yeah. we have to see what we gonna do. You sound like you sound like your mama. Yeah. I'm a mama right now. Right. <laughs> like, like, listen, I need to see this money. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. All right, again, thank you so much, Nate Hardy, for joining us on the Swim Coach Podcast. <laughs> well, thank you yeah, guys. It's my pleasure. All right, thank you guys so much for joining us as we um, end the Swim Culture Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, bye, guys. All right, bye. All right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram and Facebook. See you all in the water.